This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraos. Thanks for listening. I'm Lola Benalon, Assistant Professor of Architecture Technology at GSAP. This fall, we created a mini-series on natural and living building materials. Natural materials are defined as minimally processed, readily available, non-toxic, healthy and engaging materials. These materials are critically needed to reduce carbon emissions and extractive harmful impacts associated with conventional building materials. In this episode, we will host Laura Hardy, who designed with bamboo. Growing up in Bali with two artists' parents, Laura's creativity led her to design prints for one of New York's biggest fashion houses, Donna Karen. Then, in a dramatic shift, Laura moved back home to Bali, where she founded Ibuku, a team that designed and builds extraordinary homes made and furnished entirely of bamboo. Laura, I am so inspired and I'm happy to have you here. Your work, your approach, your vision are really inspiring for us. Um, you create spaces that are curving like fabrics, organic forms that evoke emotions. You ask much about what a material wants to be. And, and with bamboo as a building material, is so unique and has its own features. It's not malleable as plastic. You need to account for its shape, geometry, texture, how does that come in your design work? Well, if we, if we can get that, you know, the, when you choose the right dress that day and it just makes you feel powerful um, or it makes you feel super cozy or it makes you feel whatever you were looking for. And, you know, when you get that feeling that day where you're like, oh, this just feels right and it supports who I am today, where does it end, right? Like your skin does that, your health, whether you've been, whether you've been moving your body or taking care of yourself has an impact on that, your layer of clothing, and then it, I think it continues. So the room around you shifts how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Walk into a certain space and you're uplifted. You walk into another space, like a cozy bar, and you find the right corner and you feel snuggled up. And, and the building's helping protect you and inform who you are. And so I think you have to become immune to it in a lot of cases. When you're walking around a city, very few of those spaces are going to end up feeling like you want to take them on as part of you. Often you're in uncomfortable and awkward and, and hard and, and even like a kind of abrasive spaces. When you walk into a space that is, that's something you could imagine if you were a snail, you'd want your shell to look like, right? Or if you were a bird, you would, you would weave the nest around you to be. That's a feeling. And that's a, that's a whimsical artistic feeling that comes from the imagination, but it also just comes from the basic, basic sense of being an organic creature. We have these bodies um, and they, that's, that's where we come from. That's what we start in. And when the structure around you simply is also, is also has a curved edge Mm -hmm. rather than a right angle poking out at you, you have a different relationship to it. I think you have more of a relationship to it when the way that the roof curves over you feels familiar. Mm -hmm. That's the first step. And then when it feels um, uplifting, then that's when you really start to get somewhere. When you walk into a space, um, they did this with cathedrals. People's hearts were captured by cathedrals and their belief was inspired by, by these buildings because of the elegance and the, and the levity of them, which made you feel maybe like a forest or like the most beautiful forest ever that you've never even been in. 
but mm-hmm. but these things are all common like there's a common thread for all of us humans that that all connect and for me bamboo I, I get to do that with bamboo it can be intellectually fun to design it a certain way but it's much more about the feeling of it and I noticed that in your design process <laughs> you incorporate many small-scale models what is their role of importance in the design process with the material so in architectural process often models are relegated to a presentation tool from what I understand but in our world mm-hmm. the model is the blueprint mm-hmm. and and the models that lead up to the blueprint model are the are so much a part of our process because we have to imagine ourselves within them We're also playing with doing this in 3d and different computer programs now and that's super cool. exciting we've got these goggles and you can you can see you yeah. can see around you if you you know but just being in in a real 3d being on site on a scaffolding with a few poles that indicate the height and the curve of the space that you're planning is a super powerful tool that then you can connect in and remember when you are trying to get your mind inside of walking around that model there's something oh, I just thought of about you Apparently athletes can mm-hmm. can actually get credit for practicing by moving through their athletic practice rehearsing it in their mind and that connects physiologically in a way that actually counts it's not just practicing in your mind like your body does stuff that connects in with it so I wonder when designers are moving through the future space in their minds how that all connects physiologically and Because that's what we're responsible for doing right for creating the space before it exists and the models are a tool where we get to match but even so we sit there at the desk and we look down at the model and we talk about it and we hold it up and we talk about it and we're like wait are we talking about what the drone photo is going to look like or are we actually caring about what it feels like to be inside and recently we made a, a model of a dome that was big enough that I was like oh let's just cut a hole in the base of it so that you can get your whole head inside of it and then look around <laughs> like oh that's what it will look like <laughs> oh, let's change this let's let's lift that let's oh that doesn't matter let's not you know so you can it's just that these things are just tools in this in the process but the process yeah it's all about it's all about getting your mind into that into it so this is a really you know exciting direction of working with bamboo and I'm I'm curious to hear f- from you how do you envision kind of the next utilization or a The future of bamboo will it be through you know design changes or through political change how we source bamboo how all the directions that you developed apply to other materials as well so there's a bunch of obvious stuff about bamboo how how it grows so bountifully in so many parts of the world there are so many different kinds of species that can be that can be um, that have different strengths and properties so that's all you That's all amazing and that's already being utilized in a certain way you know you go into a, a kitchen supply store and there's chopping boards and cups and things this all goes back to the fact that the material itself grows so efficiently it grows within three to four years it's fully mature in a clump that keeps sending up a new generation of shoots every year that you don't have to replant for um, a lifetime and it can grow in places that are not are not very useful for agriculture bamboo can even um, be used as a, as a restoration for damaged landscapes. It's one of the first species that will come in after a volcanic eruption or, a, or an oil spill probably and become, um, become something that helps restore the land, helps rebuild the soil, helps attract water and springs and underground rivers to that space. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it can become a, a, a powerful agroforestry community um, community cultivation thing. So that will all lead to it being a, a wonderful, like a, a, a baseline, like timber replacement. Mm-hmm. just because the, it's, it's faster. The material itself has amazing properties. The lignans, the way that the structure of the cellular structure of it is formed gives it really um, strength, flexibility, the way that the form of the pole is also has compressive strength. So it's it's a very impressive material resource. Now, the next step comes in, the way that it has mostly been utilized is as a wood replacement. So you take mm-hmm. these cylindrical poles that are hollow and very, chop them up into a size that you can control them and smush them back together to become a laminate. That's great. You're replacing wood. Um, there's a lot that can be done with, with the, the collaboration between that natural material and technology and other materials, like the glues that put in them need to be refined to be, to be more sustainable. And um, there's, a, there's a whole interesting world of technology and design there that, that will happen. Where I'm interested is where we listen to what the material has to offer that's really different from other materials and and then we branch off from there to create and design what it wants to become and that opens up a whole a whole new world of possibilities that i think defy our imaginations there is a tendency there is a natural impulse with especially for those of us who have chosen to be in a world of design or creation of something that it's on us and that we have something in our hands and that we can draw the perfect curve and that we can find materials that will do what we want it to do. And that's fun. And I, you know, being artistic and like, there's, there's a joy to that, but there's also, personally, I found this sort of blank canvas effect, just sitting there at a blank canvas. You're like, what's the point? And then you get depressed and then you're a depressed artist. Um, so there's, I have found refuge in not having a blank canvas in having a untamed, unruly, organic shaped material that mm. wants to become something. But in order to work with it, I've had to stop and listen. Because if you just try to push bamboo to do something that a wood building wants to do, like there's, you know, if you try, it just doesn't work. You just can't. What ends up happening is that is that everything has vulnerability. Every material has vulnerability. And even if you're making a certain kind of wooden deck, like you need to find the right coating and then put the right coating on after the right amount of time in order to have it serve its purpose. And that's an interesting story of maintenance and care over time. But but when you're just looking at, at a material and, and like, why don't we talk more about its vulnerabilities and how to work with it to self-express it while protecting its vulnerabilities? I'm just curious to, so would you say that, you know, beyond the, uh, let's say the hurdles that you're um, addressing in Bali of the perception of bamboo as a poor man's material, you're also addressing challenges related to utilizing bamboo by the need to replace current practices of timber. There is a huge stigma to this material, especially in the East, in the tropical regions of the world, anywhere where bamboo has been used, it has been um, really relegated to being a short-term use material and or a, which is something temporal because even when they soaked it in the right kind of river with the right offerings with the right kind of mud for the right amount of time, it, you couldn't count on it to, to have released all of its sugars and to become salty enough to be inedible to the insects who otherwise just want to come and eat it. If you don't cover the basis of, of preparing the material, of selecting and preparing it, you've got a sweet grass. 
and bugs want to eat a sweet grass. So you can't build, you can't build your castle out of sweet grass if, you know, the bugs are going to eat it, right? You can, can barely be bothered to build anything at all with it because you're going to have to rebuild it in literally a few years. Um, and even today, there are there are buildings around Bali made of bamboo that have not been properly treated and which are getting eaten by bugs. And then you have to spray them with chemicals. And this yeah. perpetuates that. Hmm. But what we've done in the past decade is really is really like make a lot of headway to reverse that because there's simple treatment methods made of natural salt, so like natural salt solutions that just get the sugar out and the salt in and then you're good. Then it's up to you to design with it in a way that protects it enough, keeps it up out of the water so that the salt just stays in and never leaches out. Yeah. And so that the UV doesn't get to it and damage it. So high footings and maybe uh, good roofings like you do with clay. Exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. Our curving, curving, beautiful buildings in Bali have this kind of look, this, this look over the past um, decade that comes from our just artistic ideas to some extent, but largely to what shape the landscape we were building in wanted to be filled with and mm -hmm. what kinds of protections and and opportunities we found with the material. So having having the, the building lean out and having a big roof overhang, it's just kind of design 101 for the tropics, have a big roof overhang for the shade. But it's also letting the column lean and having the roof overhang, um, the roof overhang better protects the column. And it, it makes for a building that can last for 100 years instead of 10. And then you're talking uh, about hot, humid, tropical climates, but you know also cold climates like in the East Coast in the U.S. So how would you share your vision about the future of bamboo in a bioclimatic way that also, like, how would it be utilized in different climates? So you'll see bamboo in cities around the world within the next decade. And it won't look anything like what we do because what we do here does not belong there. Mm -hmm. We need a new conversation. We need a new design intention to find the way that bamboo wants to be and be in support of buildings in an urban setting. Urban setting buildings need verticality. So making, making outward leaning structural columns with big overhanging roofs is an impossibility. <laughs> um, they also need, um, you know, you've got some length in the pole, but you've got about 18 meters max. So you can't go very high. And more than anything, what you need is um, to be able to build it in a way that's efficient with the local resources, which don't happen to include generationally skilled bamboo artists and craftsmen that, that are living in the villages in Bali. Mm -hmm. You can take a few there and teach a few people and, and have some fun with it. But the way that it will be used in cities is by being tamed to a certain extent, right? When you, when you decide to focus on say the, the long fibers properties of the wood, the woody material and, and you chop that up and you can create laminate and then you can suddenly propel it by using it in similar ways that materials that have already been worked with and developed can be used. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. using, suddenly using bamboo laminate where wooden laminate was planned lets you jump, jump over hurdles of like just innovating with it. And mm -hmm. also the conversation around it with building codes, um, the amount of tests you need to do, things like this can all really be, be, minim by, be minimized by piggybacking it that way. So if that'll, that'll happen first, you'll have, bamboo composite and laminate elements of buildings soon. And that you see that happening with wood and it will happen more and more with bamboo too, because of just the math of it. 
I think that there um, there's studying to be done with carbon offsetting stuff, but even the transportation of bamboo to um, around the world in order to be used in that way, it still has significant advantages over what goes into growing a tree even, or like, let alone fossil fuels of mm-hmm. the, of the creation of, of steel and things. So there's, it's a whole, it's a whole interesting world of math and science and, and, and calculation, but it just comes back to this like crazy abundance, the three to four year growth and the, and the not needing to care for it every minute, cultivate it and use up, use up productive land on it makes it just so ready to be like utilized. Right. And so easily replenished. All that we do is all that we do at Ibuku came from my dad who with his, with his wife, Cynthia designed and built green school. And they decided to do it out of bamboo because they wanted to build a green school where the buildings around that, that, that were all around the campus would be something the kids could look at and aspire to. They could have done it with reclaimed timber, but they weren't even sure that in a few decades when the kids were growing up and building their world, that there would be enough reclaimed timber left. Because reclaimed timber is a story about the past, about reclaiming and reusing. And that's great. But it, but you can't beat a story of like, you can just grow more of it in a few years. You can grow more of it. You can work with it. It's like it's everyone can have it. Not necessarily yeah. in the form that we're doing now. We're involved in a conversation with it of like artisanship and luxury. And that's that's all part of the opportunities we have here. We have craftsmen here. Why would we go running around working to avoid the craftsmanship if we can have the craftsman part of the conversation? But the minute yeah. you're building in a city or really anywhere else in the world, it's not so much about the craftsmanship, but it's about the minds and technology. Let's set the, 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 the design engineering minds of the world on to like finding the right way to connect two pieces of bamboo together that doesn't require craftsmanship and gives and adds to its strength. And suddenly you have a puzzle piece that not only creates a whole new like world of opportunities for the material, but also unleashes a new design style. This is so inspiring. And, and it goes on to like questions that I wanted to ask about engineered bamboo that is really happening now in high rise, but how can the students learn and visit your work in Bali, Elora is Sharma Springs open for visitors. Do you offer bamboo design build workshops? So just, just the other day I was filming um, with my brother who leads bamboo U bamboo university, and they're creating an online series. Um, just to give a little glimpses into our world. So it covers everything from the practicalities of bamboo agroforestry and and harvesting. And then, of course, what I'm talking about is more like the design approach and how you can imagine how does how does designing for bamboo let you better listen to and design for and get get outside of your own mind for any material you're working with. And so Bamboo U is, is actually it started as a course that you come and join and there would be like 30 or 40 people together from around the world for 10 days doing the workshop hands-on, getting to build something. And, and that'll start again, I hope, next year, um, depending on when all the borders open up and when people are moving around again. But in the meantime, he's moving it online to help, like, to help create those connections. And there's like a huge community growing of People and I'm and I'm talking about bamboo people, people who already loved bamboo, but I'm talking about just designers who were bored, <laughs> designers who were bored and tired, and like, how do they get refreshed? Well, sometimes they end up at bamboo U, or just or or non-designers who want their mind bent and flexed a bit, right? Like more practical 
like engineers and, and just all kinds of people would come and just find all of like it's such a beautiful symbol actually the way that you can just create all these metaphors about the material and its flexibility and its strength and its grace and it's um like you could just go on and on about what that can teach us where that can lead us so bamboo you um if you are listening then search for this resource to learn more about how to build with bamboo. Elora, I want to quote your father who mentioned that you pick up ideas that are coming from very high. And I want to add to that, that you are also obviously are able to find the deep grounds to actualize your high visions. And I'm so happy to have you here with us today. And thank you so much for all your inspiring knowledge shared with us. So thank you. Thank you.